0: Good morning. A lot of times when we go through holidays like this, we fall into a rut. We've got to remember that our Lord is alive. Amen. This morning we had a wonderful meeting with, uh, for our sunrise service. Appreciate so much our deacons and brotherhood cooking breakfast. We had a wonderful crowd there. Uh, today we want to again celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm going to kind of connect this morning's message with an illustration to kind of explain to us what happened on the cross of Christ. It was a legend I heard from Dr. Urban Lutzer who preached this sermon and he used this illustration. I thought it was so wonderfully explained. He said there was a legend that came out of Russia about a chief in a nomadic tribe. And uh, this chief was respected for his love for the people. He was known for his fairness and his justice. He was just revered. But they had a problem in the tribe, and the problem simply was this, that somebody was stealing things. There was a thief. There was a thief that was stealing stuff within the tribe. And uh, the chief came out and said, you know, we got to stop this, so there's going to be a punishment that's going to take place for the thief. And uh, we're going to give ten lashes to the person that we find that does this. Well, unfortunately, the stealing continued. And uh, they had to up the punishment a little bit. They said, well, instead of 10 lashes, we're going to give 40, which would pretty much kill a person. And as uh, they decided they were going to go ahead and find this person and punish them in front of the whole tribe to make sure that this stealing stopped. Uh, push came to shove. They found out who the thief was. It was the chief's very own mother. Well, the people were looking at the chief. They said, what are you going to do now? Are you going to punish your own mom? Surely this will be fatal for her. What are you going to do, chief? We know that you're a loving chief. And we know that you're just. What are you going to do? Well, it's on the cross of Jesus Christ that we see those two attributes. The love of God and the justice of God. The story goes on to say that what the chief decided. The people were wondering, yeah, you're going to give your mom a pass, aren't you? You don't want her to go through that punishment. You're going to let her go. What the chief did is, right before it came time for sentencing, he said, I'm going to go ahead and allow the punishment to stand. My mother must undergo those 40 lashes. But before they were delivered, he went and knelt beside or behind his own mother, and he said, I'll take the lashes myself. And he took the 40 lashes for his own mom. That's what Jesus did for us. He was our substitute, and he took our place on the cross. Not for his sin, but for our sins. And when Jesus was on the cross, God's love is demonstrated because he gave his son in our place. And the justice of God was perfectly demonstrated in the punishment that Christ went through. The wrath of God and the love of God were together. And God said, acceptable. I accept what my son has done. For those that place their faith in him, you can have a relationship with me. As we saw a couple of weeks ago, the curtain was torn in two. And you and I, because of what Christ has done, can walk with God. Do you know the Lord this morning? The greatest privilege in life is to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. But God wasn't finished. He said, you know what? We're going to add to that. And we're going to teach that today. The resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I've chosen for my text John chapter 20. If you'll turn there or look at the bulletin, you'll see that, that passage of Scripture there. John chapter 20. Uh, We're going to look at a a person named Thomas. Now, church historians call him doubting Thomas because he goes through a crisis of belief that's not uncommon. Our Lord has risen from the dead and he appears to the disciples and he says, I'm alive. Thomas says, huh? I'm not sure I believe this. I'm not sure what to think of this. If you'll turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20, verse 24, we see these words. Now, Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nail marks were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said, "When well, my Lord and my God," and then Jesus told him, "Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed." We are going to look at how Thomas responded to the resurrection of Christ, and secondly, how you and I have responded to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, shortly after Jesus rose, he met with all of the disciples, uh, and they were shocked. Find out that Jesus was risen. But there was one guy that was not at the meeting, and his name was Thomas. He had missed it for whatever reason. It's kind of funny as you read through commentaries and you look at books, uh, some of the older uh, commentators say, This is why you should never miss church on Sunday, because you just don't know what you're going to miss. God may show up for others one day, and God may show up for you. You see, when we come to church, many of us come with a what am I going to get out of it mentality. We're kind of critiquing the sermon. We're critiquing what's going on. But God is also visiting. And God is looking for specific reasons to to touch a person's heart. And Thomas missed out. He had to wait a whole week because he was absent from the meeting. The other disciples had a meeting with God. Don't you wish you could have a meeting with God? Amen? Don't you wish you could have a meeting with the Lord? You see, it's the difficulties of life, the circumstances of life that crowd out our relationship with God. I love the way Alexander McLaren, the great commentator, the great preacher of yesteryear said, he said, may we learn a lesson. I venture to apply these words, dear friends, to our gatherings for worship. The worst thing, the worst thing that a man can do when disbelief or doubt or coldness shrouds his sky or blots out the stars is to go away alone and shut himself up with his own, perhaps morbid at all events, disturbing thoughts. The best thing that he can do is to, amongst, to get among God's people. If the sermon does not do him any good, the prayers and the praises and the sense of brotherhood will help him. Watch this. If a fire is going out, drawing the dying coals close together, and they will make each other break into a flame. Don't go at it alone when you have your doubts. Don't go at it alone when the circumstances of life cloud out your joy. Never forget, he rose again and he is alive. And even though your circumstances might seem like despairing, like despair setting in, he's not forgotten about you, don't forget about him. Let's look at this together. Here's the first point if you're following along on your outline. The first thing you want to see is the resurrection of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. This is what separates Christianity from every other religion on the face of the earth. No other religion can say their Messiah, their Savior, their leader rose again. Uniquely, Jesus rose again. And he appears to those that he invested his life in while he walked on this earth. Of the twelve, there was one named Thomas called Didymus, which means twin. And he wasn't there the first time Jesus showed up. So the disciples were telling him, we have seen the Lord. Now I want you to see two groups within the twelve. There's the joyful and the joyless. One's doubting because he missed out on what God had done. And you've got the 11. We have seen the Lord. There's an exclamation point there. There's some excited Christians there. Don't you like hanging around excited Christians? Amen. The other group is the the joyless, the the Thomas group. And all they talk about is their doubts and their complaints. And they're wondering, where's Jesus? When is he going to show? He's already shown up. But because they didn't show up for him, he's so kind of into himself, self-centered. He's not worried about the benefits for others. He's focused on himself. Now, he probably had some answers. Some commentators say, oh, you guys just didn't see Jesus. You saw a ghost. Now, let's put this in perspective. Let's not rail on Thomas too bad. Thomas had faithfully served the Lord when he was with the Lord. He wasn't a 100% doubter. He was a momentary doubter. Perhaps he was confused. I can't understand. I mean, you ever have those moments in life when you're saying, God, what are you up to? I, I lack understanding here, Lord. It's at those times that we've got to remember that our God, listen to me now, is 100% perfect, 100% powerful, 100% wise, and he knows what he's doing. Watch this, even when we lack understanding in our own intellects. We've got to give God credit here. When times get tough, God understands and God knows. Do you believe that? That's faith. Job said though he slay me yet will I trust him The joyful and the joyless are in every church But let's give Thomas some credit He's done some good things let's not you know just completely cast him away If we're honest in times when we go through life we're going to have some doubts about what God's up to perhaps about God's power or his wisdom One of the reasons God gives us trials and difficulties is so we'll get to the place that we can trust Him when we don't understand. Do you? Perhaps you're walking through one of those right now. Thomas was having a, a time of doubt. Now, for Christians, I think this is a very common thing. I think we all go through these learning experiences where the Lord wants us to know Him better. So He'll give us a situation in our life and He'll say, okay, it's time for you to grow. Time for you to grow spiritually. I don't want you to stay where you are. See, by nature, we're just all content. It was D. Martin Lloyd Jones said that the prayers that Christians pray fall in two categories: comfort and ease. God make me comfortable. God make my life easy, and take away everything that doesn't give me comfort or ease. But what happens there is we tend to drift. We tend to just glide. We go on cruise control in the Christian life. We don't go deeper. We might get older physically. We might go from 30 to 40 to 50 to 60. But spiritually, we're still 30. So God gives us some difficulties so that we'll learn how to trust Him more, to deepen our relationship with Him. Do you know Him? Do you know Him better today than you knew Him yesterday? Or are you kind of yearning for more? Well, there, there comes a time when you've got to believe some of the truths, all of the truths about Jesus Christ. Back on March the 11th, 1991, the first President Bush went to visit a school. And he was reading a book. And there was a young man there by the name of Anthony Henderson, a young 11-year-old, excuse me, 8-year-old student. And here's the President of the United States reading a book to an 8-year-old young man. And the young man looks at him and he says, Are you really the president of the United States? Yeah, I'm really him. No, no, no. Come on now. Let's be honest. You're the president. I'm in a little elementary school. President, elementary school, not happening. I don't believe you're the president of the United States. And President Bush says, well, you want me to prove it to you? There's a very famous picture that went around when the president pulls out his American Express card and it has his name on it, George Herbert Walker Bush. And this young kid's holding it, trying to figure out if he's really talking to a guy who claims to be the president of the United States. Don't leave home without him. Remember that? Now, that's the way many of us treat Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I got saved and I want you to take me to heaven when, you, when I die. And, you know, but, you know, I need some more proof from you. Now, we're, we're, we, we want this proof in our prayers. We say, God, if you really love me, then, and we put out these lists of demands that we expect God to answer, comfort and ease, comfort and ease. If you really love me, take this away and give me this, comfort and ease. If you really care about me, then you meet my requirements, my list of demands. And, and we put on the Almighty these Demands that we expect Him to meet. What did Thomas say? Unless I see the nail marks, feet, unless I see it, I'm not going to believe. And that's what many of us do with the Lord. Unless I see God's activity in my life, I'm going to be a doubter. Some parts of our lives are fine. We do some things in the church. But folks, it's a relationship. The Christian faith is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbors ourselves. If that's not happening, God's going to allow you to go deeper. And what we tend to do is we tend to take the Christian faith and make it selfish. God, give me, give me, give me. I'm going to pray, and you'll find out if your prayers are sincere, because if God doesn't give you what you want, your prayers are going to drift off like that fire out of wood, A little twig out of, fire, out of the fireplace, just burn off by itself. And you'll you'll know you love the Lord when things aren't going your way and you want to be with Him anyway. Because you know He's all-powerful and you know He's got all wisdom and you know He knows the answer. And you know He's God and we're not. Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane said, Lord, take this cup from me, this suffering from me, yet not what I will, but what you want to be done, your will be done. He knew that God had all wisdom. God the Father had all wisdom. God the Father had the answers. We're not there yet. If we're continually saying, you know, comfort and ease, comfort and ease, comfort and ease. Now, doubts aren't necessarily a bad thing. They can push you to learn more about the Lord. But you just don't stay there. Point number two on your outline. The resurrection, or excuse me, the recognition of, Je- of Jesus Christ. The recognition of Jesus. Notice what Jesus does. A week later, not because he missed church, it took a whole week. He'd go through a whole week of difficulty. I don't want to push that point too bad. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Let's give Thomas some credit. He's back in church. He's back with the disciples. He's not off by himself. He had his doubts, and he was struggling but, but let me just ask you a question. When you leave the Lord, where are you going to go? If you're going to walk away from the Lord and say, I'm mad at God. I'm going to have a spiritual pity party because he didn't give me comfort and ease, comfort and ease. Where are you going to go? Who are you going to turn to? He possesses all the answers of life, friend. Have you gotten to the place where you trust his wisdom? Have you gotten to the place where you trust his power? Have you got to the place where you trust him where you don't understand? Jesus visited Thomas, even when Thomas had not visited Jesus, had just taken a little break. And notice what he says. It's what we all want to hear. Thomas, peace be with you. There's the peace with God that brings us the peace of God. And then he says to Thomas, he proves, watch this in verse 27. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. You ever had one of those aha moments in life? (laughs) Oh, man, I missed it, Lord. I'm so sorry. I was whining and complaining and I was just being me, you know. And then God answers and shows up. And and you're just kind of like, oh, I wish I hadn't said a thing. Now, there's Thomas that had to show how smart he was the week before. And all of a sudden, Jesus, in his divine, supernatural way, shows up. And Thomas realized he was wrong. You know, one of the best things that we can do in the Christian life is look in the mirror sometimes and say, I was wrong. Now, we're, we're good at pointing out the faults in others. You were wrong. You were wrong. You did this wrong. Okay, you're right. I was wrong. But it's a whole lot harder when we look in there and say, I was wrong. There'd be a whole lot more peace in the body of Christ if we look upon ourselves and try to work on us a little bit more than on others. He says, put your finger here. See my hands reach out. Your hand and put in my side. Stop doubting and believe. That literally means do not become faithless, but be faithful. It's like, like he's saying to Thomas. Thomas. Man, you walked with me for three years. You saw me do miracles. Did you ever see me sin? When are you going to trust me? What have I ever done wrong? When, Thomas, are you going to start having some faith? When are you going to start putting your trust, your confidence in me? When? How long is this going to go on? Yeah, people will let you down, Thomas. But I'm not talking about people now. I'm talking about me, your Savior, Jesus Christ. When are you going to start trusting in me? Not just for salvation to go to heaven when you die, but each and every moment of each and every day. We don't like what's going on. You're retreating back into your solitude. Your thoughts are going to play tricks on you, on you, on you Thomas. Get with God's people. Hear the word of God. Meet with me. Love me. And something happened here. Something happened in Thomas' heart. Oh, and you know what? God will take a long time to get to that, that moment where something happens. It's his kindness. It's his patience that leads us to repentance, Romans says. Luke says in verse 28, Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. I want you to see a couple of beautiful things here. First is my. Underline the word my there. You see... When we talk about Christianity, we talk about the faith. But Thomas has now personalized it. It's my faith. You know, his church historians, theologians have said there are three categories to the word faith. There's there's knowledge, belief, and trust. Knowledge is somebody tells you the gospel. Somebody tells you the word of God. Belief means you either agree with it or you don't. Belief means you agree with it. Uh, or or not the Bible says in James chapter 2 the devils believe but the devils aren't Christians they're not going to heaven when they die that's why you need the third element and that's what we see right here it's personal I trust I trust the Lord and notice how he says it my Lord my God he is saying the human Jesus that I walk with is deity He's God in the flesh. There's something uniquely different about Jesus Christ than everybody else. And now I, as an act of my will, choose Jesus Christ as my Lord and my God. Which means, I know He's in control of all things, even when I lack understanding. The good that comes into my life. The bad that comes into my life. It goes through my Savior's filter. But I am not deviating. I'm not moving. I'm staying. I'm placing my trust in Jesus Christ. You know what what Thomas is doing? I, I think there's something going on here. All those beautiful days when he walked with the Lord, he saw what Jesus did. He remembered some of the beautiful things Christ has done. Do you remember what Jesus has done in your life? Do you remember some of the prayers that the Lord has answered for you? You know, we tend to get those prayers answered and boom, move on to the next one. Rarely do we say thanks. You know, there were ten lepers. They all got healed. How many went back and said thanks? One. And that's indicative of all of us. We have a thankless heart. You want to know if you love Jesus? Start how to say thank you. Get out of your comfort zone. Make some moves. Go back to Jesus and say, Lord, thank you for healing me. Do you remember what he's done for you in the past? Or are we so consumed with the circumstances of the present? It's the same God that's going to walk with us now that walked with us then. Trust him. I know it's hard. We've got to trust him. Watch this now. You can have every fact, all the evidence. You can see the nail prints. But believing is always an issue of the will. Right here. Always. What do I mean by that? Sometimes you have a conversation with somebody and you say, yeah, that's sin. Stop it. Yeah, that's, that's righteousness. Go for it. You can talk to an atheist or an agnostic, somebody who doesn't want to uh, give up their lifestyle. You can give them all the facts in the world, but if their will says, I ain't changing, friend, you're spitting in the wind. Because it's an issue of the will. Everybody in here has a chooser. It's your will. And you've got to choose whether you are going to follow and place your faith in Jesus Christ. I can't choose for you. You can't choose for me. I've told my kids for years, my job as your dad is to teach you how to make a good decision. I'm gonna care for you, I'm gonna love you, but ultimately there's gonna come a time when you leave our home and you're gonna to have to make choices. That's your will. You gotta choose. I can't choose Jesus for you. You've gotta choose Jesus for yourself. Thomas was a little later than the others, but he at some point became convinced and he said, You know what? Today is the day of salvation for me. I've walked with the Lord for a while. I believe. Have you gotten to that point? Jesus is no longer dead. He's alive for you. He's no longer somebody else's savior. He's now your savior. He's no longer somebody else's Lord. He's your Lord. Can you say that? You know, in in Wales, there's a a church that has a, a statue and it's called the risen Christ, the risen Christ. But somebody noticed one time, you know, uh, there's something about this statue that I don't get. There's no nail marks and there's no whole marks in the feet. And you could say that that sculptor picked the kind of Jesus he wanted. But he was missing something. He missed some really crucial truths that Jesus went to the cross. We live in a culture that loves to define Jesus the way they want to. We live in a culture that wants to define God the way we want to. You ever hear somebody say it like this? My God is like this. My God is is just like this. They're a kind grandfather type God. They would never send anybody to hell. They would never do anything wrong. My God is, and you know what? It's an idol of the heart. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. If you want to know God, come to Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Believing is a matter of the will. Let's finish this up, point three. The response to Jesus Christ. Here Jesus goes past this conversation with Thomas and he speaks to us. Don't miss this, friends. The the beauty of the word of God. We say Jesus is alive. Well, the Bible says in Hebrews 4 that the word of God is alive. It's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The Bible still speaks. And Jesus is speaking to the Antioch Baptist Church and people in our culture even today when he says these words, verse uh, 29 and 30. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Watch this verse 30, uh, 29. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. In other words, there is a blessing for those that haven't seen Jesus yet, place their faith in Jesus Christ. You want to be blessed? So many people said, Oh, bless me. Here Jesus is promising a blessing. He's saying, If you want a blessing, though you've not see, seen Jesus, believe. Have you been convinced what Christ done on the cross? that he's risen from the dead. What is it about Jesus that you don't like? What is it about Jesus that you don't understand? How will you respond to Jesus Christ? I'll close with this illustration. I remember when I was in college, I was in University of Florida, and uh, I went to a college group. You know, they were giving out free food. And man, for a college guy... I, you, when I was in college, it was one day I had no food, no money, nothing. You know, what I had I had raisin bran for breakfast, raisin bran for lunch, and raisin bran for supper. Remember those college days? Weren't they special? Yeah. You got to do what you got to do. What a what a treat! I don't think I've eaten much raisin bran since, but I'll never forget. We had a I went to North Central Baptist Church we had a college career day, and it was kind of an eye-opening thing. I was a real small town guy, Wachula. Went up to Gainesville, big church. Man, the youth group was bigger than our city, I think, or the college group, about 100, 150 people. I'm serious, serious, but I walked into that college group one day, and my youth college and career guy's name was Steve Creighton, and Steve was an awesome guy. When I went to seminary in Texas, I actually drove to Steve's house and got to see him and his wife. He was one of those people that made an impact on my life. You ever, aren't you thankful for the people that God used to make an impact on your life? Steve Creighton was one of the people that made an impact on me. Every Thursday they'd have what's called Gator. You'd go to a place off campus, they'd feed you. No raisin brand that day, amen. <laughs> and I'll never forget, something happened in Steve's heart. Now, Steve Creighton was my college and career pastor. And one day he gets up in church and here's what he says, folks, I met with somebody this past week and I got saved. And I'm thinking something's not registering here. He said, no, you don't understand. I grew up in the church. I've always been in church. My mother and father had me in church. And from a little boy's age, I always knew that I was going to be in church work. He said, I just said the right things and I did the right stuff. But I never really was serious about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. You know, I better listen to what this guy's saying. And, and Steve told us the story. And it was a beautiful story about he finally gave to the place in his life where he said, you know, I wanted a Jesus that could take me to heaven when I died. But I never made him my Lord. Never. Until that parent that weekend. Now I, I try to be careful to judge the human heart. Somebody tells me they're saved, I take them at their word. If somebody tells me they're not, I take them at their word. But when God works on a human heart, God makes His points known, and He will change the human heart. Just as He t- changed Thomas's heart, so He changed Steve Creton's heart. Steve got baptized in front of the whole college career ministry. Our leader, revival broke out in that church. I remember there was one girl on a Sunday night. She said, you know, I'm getting saved. She was dressed like this, nothing. She says, I'm getting baptized in my clothing just like this right now, and I don't care. She was so desirous of following in the footsteps of Jesus. You see, when Jesus touches your heart, there's life, there's power, there's a relationship. Thomas said, my Lord and my God, I am amazed by you. Who does what Jesus does? Who lives a sinless life? Who does all these miracles? Who dies on a cross for others? Sins, not his own, and then is risen from the dead. Who can compare with that? That's what we're celebrating this Easter. There should be a desire to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength through worship. America needs it. Yes. Our families need it. Yes. You need it more. Are you serious about Jesus? Because what he did, he did for us. Have you ever said, my Lord, my God, has the faith become your faith? It's an eternal decision, an eternal decision. Take it seriously. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Lord, my prayer has been that your precious Holy Spirit would fill this place and that you would speak to hearts as only you can. Father, we go through the, the rituals of religion, the calendar, and we often miss the relationship of our faith. Father, I pray that your spirit would put on the hearts of everybody here the beauty, and the wisdom, and the majesty, the power of Jesus. Your word says when Jesus is lifted up, he draws all men unto himself. I pray Jesus was lifted up today and I pray that you will draw all men, women, boys and girls to you. Father, my prayer has been that you would bring a spark, a revival. If not here at Antioch, at the churches in our city. Father, in in one human heart that they would get on their knees and say, Jesus, I love you so much and I want to walk with you each and every day. Until you take us home, where we get to be with you in glory, may we be faithful. Father, I know there are people hurting today. I know that all of us come in here with our burdens. I know that we come in here, Father, with a concern for a loved one, or Lord, we're concerned about something in our lives. That's what Jesus died for. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll speak to the hearts here as only you can, and lead people to you. In Christ's name I pray. If you've never made a profession of faith, placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Take him seriously because he took you seriously. Perhaps God's been calling you to become part of this church family. Do you know how loved you are? Do you know how loved you are? I'm going to stand here at the front. If God speaks to your heart and you want to pray together, let's do that together. Shall we? Let's all stand. If God speaks to your heart. You come.